Hello there, my name is McNeil and you are listening to the McNeil and Friends Podcast. Here I invite different people to talk about movies. We talk about movies that are currently playing in the theaters and topics that relate to cinema. If you like this type of content, you can support this podcast by telling your friends and if you don't have any, you can tell your family. Thank you for listening. What's up, everybody? My name is McNeil. I'm here with my friend Trevor. So, Trevor, tell us who you are and why you like to talk about movies. Hey, uh, I'm Trevor. I'm a good friend of McNeil. Me and McNeil have been friends for shoot pretty much our entire lives. Yep. And, well, I like to talk about movies personally. Um, I've been a big fan of movies for a while. And just fairly recently, I decided I want to pursue a career in movies. I'm moving out to L.A. soon to pursue a career in screenwriting. That's awesome. So... Today, we're going to be ranking our top 10 favorite comic book movies of the decade. So our list can contain movies from the years of 2010 to 2019. So don't be alarmed when you don't hear movies like The Dark Knight, Iron Man, Spider-Man 2, or Batman Begins, because they didn't come out in this decade. Um, So yeah, we're going to get controversial with some of our picks. Some of them are not going to be super surprising. Um, But first, every list has to come with honorable mentions, right? So we each have three honorable mentions that we're not going to elaborate on. So Trevor, what are your three honorable mentions from Worst to Best? All right. My number three would be Aquaman. Number two, X-Men Days of Future Past. And number one, I really wish this would have made it in my top ten, but just just didn't. The Avengers. What? Yeah, Avengers? The Avengers was... Oh my gosh. It's my 11 of of ten. irritating. Okay. So my three honorable mentions are Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and X-Men Days of Future Past. So you and I have two of the two same... Two of the three. Yeah, two of the same Wonder honorable Woman, mentions. Wonder Woman was my number four. Would have been your... Would have been my okay, number four. gotcha. All right, so, okay, now that our honorable mentions are out of the way, let's jump into our um, top ten. Uh, so the way this is going to work is that Trevor's going to give his number ten, and then I'll give my number ten, and so on and so forth, all the way up to our favorites. All right. So what's your number ten? All right, my number 10 would be Captain America, the Winter Soldier. You have some things that are really low on your lists. I know. I Yeah. Yeah. Um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, though, it as far as a movie itself, it's definitely one of the best structured movies of the MCU. Um, but I would say it's just personal preference. There are just other movies in the MCU and other movies outside of the MCU that are comic book movies of this decade that I just... I just personally like more just from the, uh, the character, the character aspect, um, certain aspects of the story. Uh, I I liked how they brought Bucky back in that movie, but I just think there could have been more um, development with Bucky, just a little bit. Really? Just yeah, just a little bit. Okay. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's just personal preference. I got you. So my number ten is Avengers: Age of Ultron. That's something that might irritate you, um, but that's I know that's probably really high for you, but that's a controversial pick, though, Avengers Age of Ultron, because a lot of people actually have some problems with it. I'm not entirely sure why, because I hear the major complaint is there's too much happening, but it's like, have you seen Infinity War? Because most likely you have, and if you have, you like it, but you have a problem with Age of Ultron. I can understand the argument that Ultron is an underwhelming villain. Because the trailer made him out to be this evil guy that was going to just wipe out the Avengers. It looked like the Avengers were going to lose in the trailer, but 
I mean, it ultimately ended up kind of being a rehash of the plot of the Avengers, just with a new villain, in my opinion. So I can see that point of criticism, but I still think the movie is really entertaining. Like, I like the Avengers, so I'm going to like Avengers Age of Ultron if the plot's going to be similar. Yeah. But I can see it's not as creative as the first Avengers. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to disagree, but I'll get to that when uh, we get to it on my list. That's totally all right. So, uh, what's your number nine? Number nine, and I would say this isn't as controversial, but it's. I feel like McNeil may agree, may disagree. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is my number nine. I'm not going to disagree with you. I just think that movie is overrated, although I really do enjoy it. I just couldn't get on the hype train, if you will. Yeah, I think it was a lot of... I will say it was a lot of fan service in that movie. Um, but aside from that, I think the plot was excellent. The way they brought in the um, the villains were, in my opinion, very well well brought into the movie. I mean, Wilson Fisk is an amazing villain always, and oh, yeah. they, they portrayed him very well in this movie. Um, plus, Miles Morales is... I like Miles Morales more than Peter Parker, but that's just my opinion. Um, so the fact that he was the the primary protagonist, that it made me personally like the movie even more. That's fair. I really like that movie. I think uh, especially in the beginning where they introduce Peter Parker and they just make fun of Spider-Man 3, the one with Tobey Maguire. yeah. And how he was, like, dancing and, like, pointing at people as they were walking by. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. But I like that movie a lot. I just uh, couldn't really get it on this list. Or I couldn't jump on the hype train, like I said earlier. I just couldn't do it. But my number nine is Spider-Man Far From Home. So we got two Spider-Man movies that are number nine point. So that's interesting. Um, This is my personal favorite Spider-Man movie, aside from what I would have said a few months ago. Uh, I used to think that The Amazing Spider-Man was my favorite, and then I rewatched it for the first time in a few years. And I was like, never mind. This is kind of a weird plot. The villain, the lizard, isn't that great. And I don't know. I used to have That one used to be my favorite Spider-Man movie. But Spider-Man Far From Home is definitely my favorite Spider-Man movie now. I think that Tom Holland is the best Peter Parker. Absolutely. Slash Spider-Man of all time. Um, and I think Mysterio in this movie is fantastic. Probably one of my two favorite Spider-Man villains that have been on screen. And um, this movie, what really appeals to me about it is that you see Peter Parker becoming more than just a kid for the first time, especially at the end when he really taps into his spider sense or the Peter tingle, mm-hmm. like Aunt May called it. I love that. But that movie, I think at the end, in the third act, you really see a strong character arc for Peter Parker, and I thought that was really important to his character and is going to help him move forward in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, do you have any opinions on that you would like um, to... Uh, for Far From Home, Far From Home, I would say, is my favorite MCU Spider-Man movie. Um, I mean, I guess... Well, live action, I guess, is the better, better way to put it. My favorite live action Spider-Man movie would be Far From Home. Yeah. I personally was very disappointed with Homecoming. I feel like really? I was the only one, but Homecoming was... It, it was very cliche. You know, the the girlfriend's dad is the bad guy. I mean, of course that's going to happen. But the happen. reveal was awesome. I, I would disagree. Sorry. I didn't even think it was going to happen, partially because they were different races. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, that, was, there. that was why I didn't see it coming. Um, but when he walked to the door, I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to happen. The door opened. My mind was blown. But How do you feel about MJ? What do you mean? How it's 
you know. Well, she's not Mary Jane. She's not Mary Jane. But she goes by MJ. Uh, you know, I used to not like it as much as I right now. Okay. Far from home fixed it for me because I liked home, her character. Homecoming, a lot. It bothered me a lot, but Far from Home, yeah. her character was excellent. All right. So you're number eight. My number eight. <laughs> um, Am I not going to like oh, this? Oh, no, not at all. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> Avengers Endgame. What? Yeah. Avengers Endgame is your number eight. You just pierced, you hurt my ears a little bit with that. What? But yeah, That's Avengers fine. Endgame. You deserved it. <laughs> it's your number eight. Yeah, it's my number eight. Oh my gosh. Yes. I am just flabbergasted. Yeah. <laughs> I used that word last time. <laughs> um, Avengers Endgame is my number eight, mainly because I thought the pacing was very odd. I thought it was, so after Thanos dies, it was happy and then dark and then funny and then sad. And it was just, it was all over the place. There was comedy just thrown in there randomly. Like when you first, when you first meet um, Professor Hulk, it was like in the, it was just thrown in the dead middle of very dark Intense. Yeah, scenes. I will say that one scene with Professor Hulk when the little kids walk up, like that probably could have been like a deleted scene. Yeah, type thing. It w- it wasn't necessarily needed. Didn't add anything, but yeah. it also allowed Professor Hulk to be fleshed out a little bit more. You know. Yeah, I will agree with that. But Professor Hulk was kind of disappointing to me. I was really looking forward yeah. to him because Hulk is my favorite Marvel character that mm-hmm. there is. Um, but he, I don't know, he. He just let me down. He, he was very, he was fairly pointless in the movie. Aside from you know using the gauntlet, you know using yeah. the stones. Aside from that, he was pretty pointless. I will say that I was slightly disappointed that we didn't get to see Hulk fight Thanos again in that movie. Oh yeah. But with a movie like that, you can't expect everything to be done exactly the way you want it because it's the scale of that movie is so immense. You yeah. know. But but yeah, I totally see what you're saying. Other than. The comedy, just because the comedy part of Avengers Endgame is something that felt natural to me, just because it's been a part of Marvel since Iron Man, you know? But yeah, I will admit that it would have helped the tone for the movie if the um, comedy was not as prominent, yeah. I guess. Or if it, it, yeah, if it was more, if the comedy was more subtle, like, I don't mind it when comedy is thrown into dark scenes. Like if a like if you have a character that says a funny line in the middle of a fairly, you know, intense scene, that doesn't bother. I think that's very well done, especially for Marvel movies. But when you have a dark scene where there's no comedy, then and then immediately followed by a comedy scene, it's a very lighthearted. Yeah, yeah that's that's where my problem lied. I have a very specific problem with Avengers Endgame, but I won't get into that until. All right. We reached that one on my list. All right. Um, but my number eight is The Dark Knight Rises. This is the only other controversial one I might have on my list because out of the Dark Knight trilogy, this is the only movie people seem to have problems with. And it seems to be a mixture of different things. But for me, it was the plot twist of who the villain was at the end. The whole time the movie's built up to be um, Bane. And the movie isn't built up to be Bane, but yeah. it's building up for Bane to be the big villain at the end. But all of a sudden, it's Ra's al Ghul's daughter, Talia al Ghul. And her character was in there throughout the movie, but she wasn't necessarily believable to be this menacing character, which might have been the point, but I didn't buy her to be an evil person who was trying to destroy Gotham. Yeah. You know? Um, but so other than that... it so high. 
Why do you Why do you have it in your top ten? Because I love it. Okay. <laughs> it's a great movie. I really like. Aside from that, I love everything about that movie. I love the plot of Bruce Wayne. I think it's got um, a really great character arc for Bruce Wayne. I think Batman Begins is the best um, character development for Bruce Wayne. But The Dark Knight Rises, I would even say, is a second best. Yeah, well, we love origin stories. That's for sure. Yeah, we do. I do, and you do. Yeah, origin stories are, the, are great. Yeah, but The Dark Knight Rises is a conclusion. I like conclusions more, I think. Conclusions are something that I am a sucker for. And if you listened to my podcast last week in Star Wars, you knew that all my favorite movies were basically the conclusions to every trilogy. I will say I'm a lot more critical of conclusion movies, though, than I am origin stories. Origin stories, I give a little leeway, but a conclusion has to end has to close everything up, has to you know, close all the loose ends. Yeah. I'm very critical about that. That's fair. But uh, to me, I think The Dark Knight Rises is a great movie. Um, I like everything about it. I think, the, like I said, I think the character arc is really good. Um, I really like the plot as well. I like how Christopher Nolan uses his nonlinear storytelling for The Dark Knight trilogy. I think it works really well, especially in this movie. Um, but anyway, what's your number seven? Number seven? That would be Logan. Same. Awesome. Yeah. This is perfect. We actually watched this movie yesterday. I haven't seen this movie in quite a while, and I figured it would make this list, and it was one I was trying to get to for a while. We finally watched it yesterday, Trevor and I both, and I think this movie is fantastic. Really good. I remember seeing it in the theaters, and I was blown away because I was really surprised we actually got a movie like this in the comic book genre because it's a movie where it's almost got Western vibes. It does. Partially because of the setting. But also, a little bit of the story, how they're kind of trying to get from one destination to another, you know? Yeah. And then, it's so much darker and grittier than any other X-Men movie, because it's rated R, and we have much more intense, violent scenes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I thought the the character development of Logan was very well done. And the casting of this movie, even though there really isn't much more than, you know, Logan and Professor X, um, the casting of the daughter was incredible. I mean, she nailed her role. She's a phenomenal actress, Mm -hmm. for sure. For being so young, it just, it blew me away. And she kicked butt. Oh, yeah. She was amazing. When she had the Wolverine claws come out of her feet. Yeah. That was, I lost my mind. In the theater when that happened, I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, somebody's going to get their Adam's apple knocked out with yeah. that thing, you know? Why the Adam's and apple specifically? Because I, would, I was thinking that would really hurt if that went into my neck. That was just All my first right. thought, and it, I'm pretty sure it happened, didn't it? It definitely, it went, her foot went into every part of everybody, everybody's body. I mean, it was just stabbing everybody. The one part that the really looked really painful was when there was like the clone Wolverine, and he stabbed the real Wolverine's armpit. Oh, that one always hurts. Just yeah. thinking about it hurts. And then there's also a lot of times where Wolverine like stabs people from the back of their head and it's like coming out like right by their eyeball. Oh yeah. The one where he, when he stabbed he stabbed one guy when the in the casino scene where he was making his way up when Ex- Charles Xavier was having his seizure. Mm-hmm. When the, all those guys were frozen there, he stabbed one guy straight through the head, through the side of his head. Oh yeah. Oh, it hurt. But also another reason this movie was really surprising to me, especially in the X-Men universe, is how emotional it is and the the character arc that Logan has, Wolverine, you know. It's strongly developed because you see how he's dying. And Wolverine is a character who's always been um, 
really gruff, I would say. But this movie allows him to be more gruff. And at the end, when he dies, you see he's kind of lived Spoiler out his alert. life. Well, I mean, they're <laughs> getting into this list. There's no way they can expect this to be spoiler-free. True. But, yeah, Logan dies at the end. And uh, I just thought, like, it was a really emotional scene. Some people thought I cried in the theater. And I still stand by the fact that I did not. I did not cry in the theater. Sure you didn't. I didn't. I will admit, I still cried in Avengers Endgame the third time I saw it. Yeah, I didn't do that. But I did. I did. Especially when he said Avengers Assemble. I cried. (laughs) Anyway. So the last thing I want to say about Logan is that it really creates a strong sense of urgency in every scene, I think. Every scene is so tense that... I think everybody watching this movie would become very stressed out. And I felt that way throughout the entire movie every time I've watched it. And I think that it does a really good job of creating a sense of urgency. But anyway, what's your number six? My number six would be X-Men First Class. Really? That high? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's my favorite X-Men movie. Why? Definitely. Um, I really love the character dynamics and the friendship between Professor X and Magneto. They grow together even though they're two very different people. people. They're yeah. they're at odds and then they're best friends and then by the end of the movie they're they're each other's worst enemies. Yeah. And I love how that just goes back and forth throughout the plot. Um my biggest problem with the movie would have to be the villain. He's Kevin I mean, Bacon. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Really? He's a great like villain as far as his powers go. Like he absorbs energy. Like that's an awesome villain. But what's not great is how he's developed. Like he just kind of shows up for the most part. I mean, I mean, I would say that's a pretty common problem in every superhero movie. Well, the majority of superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably isn't used as much as he could have been, but. I mean, I guess I see what you're saying to an extent. I just thought Kevin Bacon did a good job at playing that villain, in my opinion. When Darwin died in that movie, that's one of the saddest comic book movie deaths, in my personal opinion. It was whatever. Oh, it was so sad. He was my favorite. Why? The guy, you know, he can adapt to everything. Yeah. Yeah. I just really liked him. He was just super cool. That's fair. I mean, if you really like the character, then I guess it makes sense. I I wanted to see him There are so many more sadder comic book deaths. You know, yeah, not to me. That one broke okay. my um, broke my little heart. That's a bit weird, but anyway. <laughs> so my number six is Joker. Really, that low? Yeah. But like, it was so good though. Yeah, but Endgame is really low for you. Yeah, you make a good point. Yeah, I do. Good point. I always make good points. Anyway, I wouldn't go that far. I would. Anyway, so Joker is my number six because I think um, it really blew me away. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Because I love Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. So, because I like his performance so much, I didn't think that I would like Joaquin Phoenix as much as I did. Heath Ledger still takes the cake for me. Mm. But, Joaquin Phoenix is a very, very close second. And the reason be, the reason is, is that in the comics, Joker is a character who is a mystery. Because you don't know his background. You don't know where he comes from. And this movie almost takes that away from him. And also, since it's an origin story, he's not at his strongest point. So I don't think he would, this this particular Joker, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, I don't think would be a great match for Batman. Heath Ledger's Joker is at his peak. And I think 
he's a great match for Batman, and he was. So that's that's my problem with the movie. Aside from that, the acting is fantastic. The score is incredible. The score of the movie is great. The cinematography is awesome, and the directing, every like technical aspect of this movie, I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it's a movie I really liked. I like a lot of the meaning behind it, and I think it's unique because it's the only comic book movie really that we see told from the villain's perspective it's one of the only few i could think of i love those i love it though. yeah um there's that one in venom but anyway, yeah as far as with joker just to i can respect what you're saying about um about how you like heath ledger more because he's a better match for batman mm-hmm. and i completely agree yeah but what i will say is i like the joaquin phoenix joker better than the heath ledger joker because he is a he is a more accurate representation of the comic book Joker, the Heath Ledger Joker is the perfect villain for the Dark Knight. Perfect villain. Oh yeah, for sure. But he isn't the perfect Joker. Okay. Joaquin Phoenix is the perfect Joker. He nails the role. He nails the insanity. The just, I mean, the laughter, the humor in his life that he, that is really brought across. Like the line he said, he realizes his life isn't a tragedy; it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how Joker from the comics sees his life, sees everything. Every time he get, I mean, he gets beat up and laughs it off. I mean, in in the comics, yeah. In um, the Dark Knight, this Joker is a lot more dark and gritty, and he. It was more of a modern adaptation of it, what the Joker could be like in real life. It is. It and that's is. what and I liked about it. I love the. I love him in the movie. He's an amazing, like one of the best villains we ever seen on screen. He's my favorite villain of all time. But as far as being the Joker and representing the Joker, I think Joaquin Phoenix does a better job. That's fair. I mean, there are some people that have actually argued that Jack Nicholson from Batman 1989 was the most comic book ac- accurate representation of the Joker. Which makes sense because the Joker is somebody in the comic books that is kind of ridiculous. He's not originally in, in the first place, like in when, when Batman started off in the comics. The Joker was more of a silly, ridiculous type character, and you see that in even in the TV shows from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. But the further the comic book ages moved along, like especially when you get into like the, the Bronze Age and the Dark Age and the Modern Age of comic books... Um, the Joker becomes crazier and more and more insane the further comics have gone along. Mm-hmm. And I think, I will agree with you, I think that it is, the Walking Phoenix plays a really, uh, he does a really good job of interpreting that version of the Joker. Mm-hmm. But like I said, my only problem with it is that his origin story isn't a mystery anymore, which is the thing that's appealing to me about the Joker, is that his origin story is is not entirely known. Mm-hmm. And I can I understand your point on that completely. I just it doesn't bother me as much. That's, that's fair. That's just me though. All right. So jumping into our top five, what's your number five? My number five, Thor Ragnarok. I freaking love this movie. I know you do, and a lot of people do. A lot of people yeah. do. I don't. I know you don't, and I can I can wrap my head around why. I mean, like Thor was dark. Thor the Dark World was darker, incredibly dark, but not great. Not great. It was not a great Thor movie. Thor the Dark World was horrible. Yeah, but and then Thor Ragnarok, Thor just kind of changes his whole character. 
but mm-hmm. I think that was very, very much needed. I understand what you're saying. I think that that is really the only way that movie could have gone in order for him to fit in the MCU better mm-hmm. and in order for him to have a more developed character arc is to match his tone with the rest of the movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if like super dark Thor was the one who hanging out with guardians of the galaxy and yeah, infinity war. I mean, exactly. it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. Exactly. So I get that. Yeah. In the comics, Ragnarok is the Asgardian apocalypse and that is a dark storyline. So when we heard we were getting that movie and before we knew Taika Waititi was directing it, I was thinking this was going to be really dark and I, you know, I like dark movies. I like especially conclusions, and I thought they were going with the trilogy aspect, but now we know we're getting Thor 4. When I thought it was going to be a trilogy, I was like, awesome, this is going to be a dark conclusion going into Avengers Infinity War. And I was excited. And then the movie might be the funniest movie in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, Mm -hmm. and I was actually very entertained when I first saw it, and I liked it, but the more and more I watched it, the more and more I didn't like it. I think it sets up, I mean, it sets up Infinity War incredibly it does it sets yeah. everything up um and the it, the new characters it brings in i love i love korg um he's one of my favorite characters korg I is to, pretty awesome i i watched him the first time i saw korg wasn't wasn't actually in that i saw him on screen in i believe it was planet hulk that he was in um and i immediately he was one of my favorite characters. Oh, he was in Planet Hulk? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Briefly, but he was. Okay. And he, I, that was where I was first introduced to that character. I loved him in that movie. And then he shows up here, and I love him in Thor Ragnarok as yeah. well. And I also, on top of that, the development between Thor and Loki in Thor Ragnarok is some of the best in all the movies. Yeah, their interaction in that movie... With each other is really good. I think mm-hmm. it it really explores their like brother dynamic, you know, which is interesting. Um, but my my number five is Captain America: The Winter Soldier. So it's a little lower for you. I think that was your number ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I really like this movie because it's like a it's almost like the closest thing we have to a political thriller in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would say, or like a spy yeah. espionage thriller. Yeah. In a, in a way. Like the action in that movie is more along the lines of those genres, I would say. It's more grounded. Um, it's it's kind of like a Mission Impossible movie thrown yeah. in the middle of the MCU. Yeah, like the action in that movie actually kind of reminds I was actually going to make that comparison. It actually reminds me of that franchise in a little bit, mm-hmm. or a little bit, but the action in it is more real. Not that it is real, but what I'm saying is the action doesn't have big aliens coming from space and stuff like that to destroy an entire city. It's yeah. a movie about Captain America and Bucky and they're fighting hand to hand. It's people against people. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, and it's something that we don't see often in the MCU and but when we do, I really like it and I really enjoy it thoroughly. Yeah, I mean, if we were doing if this list was more about the quality of the movie and less about which one is our personal favorites. This would be this higher. would be a lot higher for me. Yeah. I, mean, I love this movie, but just personally, I like the other movies better. That that's just me. But the the structure of this movie, the way it's laid out, the directing is just. I mean, I love it. It's it's really good. But yeah, just personal preference c- couldn't make it that high. Yeah, I think the Winter Soldier is a great movie, but I do agree with you. I think it would be higher if this movie was more quality based yeah but it, since it's, yeah. it's favorite base so it's 
all subjective, but uh, yeah. So moving on, what's your number four? My number four, Captain America: Civil War. Yep, same. Awesome. So we so we are two for yeah. two right now two when it comes two. to tying. We're not two for two, but yeah. Okay, yeah, whatever. I yeah. think this is, <laughs> this is definitely going to be our last two. Though I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It is. Because <laughs> you know my number one. <laughs> I know your number one. Um, you might think you know my number one, but we'll see. I'm getting worried now. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, so Civil War. All right. So that's both our number fours. You mm-hmm. and I saw this movie in theaters together. We see almost every single Marvel Cinematic Universe movie I in think, the theaters. I think we've only missed two together, I, I think. I don't know which ones, but I'm pretty sure matter. both Ant Man's. I think both Ant-Man movies. Yes, actually. And Thor Ragnarok. And Black Panther. Did we miss Thor Ragnarok? And Captain Marvel. <laughs> so There's we've missed no a lot more than we thought we oh, had. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> we've missed a lot. But you don't even remember seeing Avengers when that came out. That was so long. You can't expect me to remember that. I yeah, your memory sucks. I was like eight years old. I your mean... memory is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Yeah, Captain America Civil War. That's a movie you and I both really like. When we saw it, we were mm-hmm. freaking out because... Spider-Man and Black Panther finally entered the story for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But mm-hmm. also, the thing that really appeals to me about this movie is um, how the heroes are going against each other. They're mm-hmm. turned against each other for political reasons. And that allows the viewers to pick a side. And that's something that doesn't really happen a lot in movies, where you're able to pick a side and have your own opinion and... Hashtag Not Team Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was Team Cap. I'm pretty sure you were as well. I was. But that's the thing that's interesting is some people are Team Iron Man, and it allows for interesting conversations because neither side is right or wrong. They're both coming from a place of care, I mm-hmm. guess. But they take it in different reasons. Would you say one side wins? Um, because I have a hard time. I've asked myself that a few times, and I would... I would say on the no. Surface, on the surface, I would say, oh, you know, Iron Man wins. I would say no. Who I think wins is Baron Zemo, who I think Very is the point. most underrated villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He is amazing. He's my personal favorite villain okay. in the MCU. He's, He's up there for me. I don't know if I can get that high. I like but. him more than Thanos, because he's Thanos is this... God of a man. I mean, he beat Hulk in a fist fight. I mean, you yeah. can't, you can't, like. It's hard to beat him. It's hard to beat that. Yeah. Baron Zemo's a guy. He's just, just a dude. He's one yeah. dude who splits the Avengers in two. He breaks them in half. I mean, while staying behind the scenes. Yeah. I thought that was incredible because, like you said, he's not this big purple giant alien. Yeah. You know. He's he's somebody who was just a guy living in a city, had a family, probably had mm-hmm. a normal job. He was just see- he was seeking revenge. Mm-hmm. That's all he was doing from the events of Avengers: Age of Ultron. Absolutely. And I remember thinking he was one of the best villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I you had told me that, and I had disagreed after I first watched really? it. Really? Because the first By time now, I watched I guess you it, could argue that I have a bad memory. The first time <laughs> I watched it, I was disappointed. The, then I rewatched the movie. And I paid more attention to You were disappointed Baron. in the movie or the character of Baron the, Zemo? The movie. I Because the first time I saw it, I wasn't paying attention to Baron Zemo. I was paying okay. attention to the Avengers. I was like, oh, it's the Avengers. They're against each other. I didn't even think about Baron Zemo. Yeah. But the second time I watched it, I paid attention to him. And his 
his plan, the way he goes about doing all these things to split the Avengers up. I mean, he's a genius. Mm-hmm. And my favorite villains are are the ones that are more brains than brawn. Yeah, personally. And Baron Zemo's all brain. Yeah, he he's is a hundred percent genius. I mean, he never he, fights them at all in the movie. Aside from Thanos, who now it turns out didn't succeed after Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, Baron Zemo is the only villain in the MCU that succeeds. Yeah, he actually did what his plan was. He wasn't trying to kill the Avengers or destroy the Avengers. He was just trying to split them up, and he succeeded. Yeah, that's actually something I was going to touch on a little bit, but since you already did, Mm -hmm. my favorite thing, other than uh, some of the characters and how it divides the characters in this movie, is the airport battle sequence. Mm -hmm. That is probably one of my two or three favorite battles in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The character interactions, even though they're divided, you see that they're still kind of friends in a way, Mm -hmm. and they're so conflicted. But at the same time, it's just like this huge fan service moment, yeah. you know, and it's really incredible. But also the battle at the end with is much more grounded and is mm-hmm. deeper and because it's coming from a much more emotional place in the sense of Captain America and Bucky and Iron Man, you know? Yeah. Did you think and how personal it got? How do you think they do you think they brought in Ant-Man and Spider-Man well into that into that scene? Yeah, um, I liked how they brought Spider-Man in um, because we didn't necessarily need a third origin story for Peter Parker. Agreed. And so I really like that Tony Stark plays kind of like the father figure role for Peter Parker, and I think I was I thought that was an interesting touch. Um, Very unique. I didn't I didn't see it coming, you know, in the MCU when they when that just showed up. Yeah. It it was really cool. After the movie, I knew that was the direction they were going. Yeah. Um, Ant-Man, yes. I did like where the, how they brought him in and Black Panther. So, yeah, I, I like how they brought in all the new characters, mm-hmm. I would say. What about you? I definitely okay. agree. Um, they brought Ant-Man in very well because, you know, because it was Falcon that knew Ant-Man and from the fight they had in the first Ant-Man yeah. movie. Um, and the way they brought him in when he just shows up in the van, when he gets out and meets Captain America. I love that scene. That scene is so funny. Yeah. I mean, I love the actor. Um, why am I drawing a blank? I'm like the actor, Scott Lang. That's not, <laughs> <laughs> I almost said that. Paul Rudd. Paul dude. Rudd. Oh my gosh, dude. Name. I, I'm really bad with names, but anyway, yeah. Paul Rudd's hilarious. Yeah. Paul Rudd is, they couldn't have cast Ant-Man better, in my opinion. Like, it was yeah. so good. Especially for the Scott Lang Ant-Man. Yeah, Scott Lang. Yeah. And, I mean, they cast Hank Pym very well, too. Michael Douglas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it seems like you and I have a lot of common yeah. ground on this movie. One last one last question about it. Okay. So, how do you feel about the... Because a lot of people are upset that the... Or not upset, but they didn't like how the airport battle scene was just in the middle of the movie as opposed to more of a climax. So... When this movie came out, I would agree with them. I would have liked the airport battle sequence to have been at the end. However, I have, I don't uh, academically study film, but in my free time I have. And I've learned that it's not always the big action sequences with all the fan service have to be at the end. And the thing that I have grown to learn and appreciate about Civil War is if the end is like I think I talked about this a little earlier 
is a much more personal scene because it involves Tony Stark's family, his parents, their death. At the same time, Captain America's friendship with Bucky. One of them, or Captain America is trying to uh, save Bucky because he knows who Bucky really is, whereas Iron Man just doesn't care. He doesn't give a flip, you know? And Iron Man would rather have Bucky dead because he killed his parents. Mm-hmm. Captain America's trying to save him. So all of that together, all that mixed together, makes for a very uh, emotional, personal, and human scene. Yeah. You know? I would definitely, I would agree with you. I would say the reason I like that the that the final battle scene was between, you know, Iron Man and Cap and Bucky is because the airport battle scene was awesome, but it was, the best way I could put it is, it was business. It was the prelude yeah. to that battle scene because yeah. those characters were the most pivotal mm-hmm. of the whole entire plot. But I would say it was, I, I would say the airport battle scene was business because it was just, they. it wasn't personal really at all. It was just Captain America had had a plan, Iron Man had, had a plan, or... Um, not a plan, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, they had their their end goal, and they were at odds. They didn't want to kill each other. No, no character wanted to kill another character on the other team. Like it didn't matter. They just were trying to achieve their own goals. I would say it was definitely personal, though. Because I would, I wouldn't call the airport battle scene personal. Oh, you're calling the airport battle airport scene. battle scene. Yes, the airport. Would, okay. ba- that's what I was referring to. Sorry. The airport battle scene wasn't personal and that's why it wasn't the climax right it was it was perfect in the middle of the movie it was just great action a great way to bring characters in the into the movie um like spider-man and ant-man and stuff like that yeah and it was a great way to just honestly for it was a great fan service moment but the end of the movie was the emotional fight it was where they were fighting to the death and that's what made that the climax, that's what made it more intense, more emotional. Because the airport battle scene was not emotional. It was just interta- entertaining. Yes, very entertaining, very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I, I, I thought at first you were talking about the climax. But yeah, that final battle at the end of Civil War is much more um, emotional. emotional than the airport battle scene. So yeah, we're on the same page there now. Perfect. But, um, but yeah, overall, Civil War is just a fantastic movie. I, I also, movie. I've, re- I've read the comic book for or the comic book series of civil war mm-hmm. and the movie is way much better way much better it is. <laughs> the movie is much better than the comic book the comic book has just got so much happening and this movie grounds that storyline and it's one of the few times in movie history where the i think the movie a lot of people would say is better than the, the book so yeah anyway so moving on to our top three. It's a really big deal here. Top three of the 2010s. All right. My number three would be Avengers Age of Ultron. Now, I say that, <laughs> I say that, and I want to go back to the fact that this is a personal preference. This is a list of favorites, not quality, because I do acknowledge the fact that the structure of this movie, the quality of the movie itself is not the best. Okay. But this movie hits l- absolutely everything that I love about superhero movies just about. I mean, it okay. it hits all my checklists. I I believe Ultron is an incredible villain. 
I think okay. he is. He taps in. He's he's the internet. I mean, how do you how do you beat the friggin' internet? He's they did. Yeah, but like <laughs> you know what I mean. Just, okay, he. <laughs> but I think Ultron was a great villain. It was a combination. I mean, he was he was Tony Stark. Yeah. They were basically fighting a robot Tony, and I mm-hmm. love that. Um, and there's just aside from that, I that's just me. But the individual scenes of this movie, this movie has my favorite Stan Lee cameo, um, Excelsior. Yeah, it has some like one of my favorite just scenes of the Avengers interacting, and right um, post that party, right before Ultron shows up and start attacking. Oh, but they're him. trying to lift Thor's hammer. They're trying to lift Thor's I hammer. I love that scene. That's one of my it's just one of my favorite down moment like comedy s- relief scenes in the MCU. Yeah. I just love that scene. I will say that from the very beginning of the movie up until that very first battle that they have with a uh, Age of Ultron. With Ultron. With Ultron, yeah. In the in Stark Tower? Yes. Okay. The the scene you're talking about right after Thor's hammer and yeah. he comes out. I would say everything up until that point is really well done, and it's a very strong beginning. After that is kind of where some things kind of start to fall apart with a lot of plot lines happening that I understand the criticisms, like uh, Thor's excursion in the movie, if you will, mm-hmm. is not entirely explained well. Yeah. Because um, it kind of set up Ragnarok to be a darker movie, you know, like did. we were talking about, and that's why I was excited. But aside from that, I think the first... Probably 25 minutes of the movie are really well done, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing I love about the movie, aside from the scenes, I'm going to get to some more scenes I love about it later, but the dialogue. The dialogue of the movie, especially Ultron's, mm-hmm. is so well done. It's well written. It clearly explains his thought processes and how it relates to Tony's, to Tony's mind and how um, Tony thinks. Yeah. But it shows the slight, like the minor twist to Tony's mind. Yeah. And I just, I love it. I, I think, I think his dialogue is excellent. I love the way they brought in the twins. Um, yeah, the twins. Yeah. They're, they're Scarlet, twins. Scarlet yeah, Witch and Quicksilver. Yeah. Um, for a brief second, I didn't, I was trying to remember if they were twins or not, but they <laughs> are, they're called the twins in the movie. So, yeah. Um, Scarlet Witch is your favorite character. I'm ever. I'm per- I'm in love with her. We're You're gonna, in love with Elizabeth Olsen. I'm in love with Scarlet. I'm in love with Scarlet Witch more specifically, but I also <laughs> love Elizabeth Olsen because she is Scarlet Witch. But she she's just amazing. She's so incredibly powerful, and I think she was underused. So far, I, I think she's well, she's supposed to be playing MCU. a younger character, and she's not fully developed yet. And I think that's why she's been somewhat underused. Yeah, I think they should have. Ca- I think maybe they should have cast a younger girl. But you are um, in but, love with Elizabeth. But Olsen. I'm in love with Elizabeth. Olsen, <laughs> so it's so okay for you. I don't even care. But <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I, I like what you're saying about Iron Man kind of being the roots of Ultron's mm-hmm. brain. But what's interesting about that is that in the comics. It, yeah. it was Hank Pym, it's the Hank original Pym. Ant-Man who created Ultron. And that might be a lot of the reasons, or that might be the reason some people have a problem with this movie. Because it's not all that comic book accurate. So it's interesting to me that you brought that point up and that you really liked it. Because I liked it as well. I was worried about it not being comic book accurate because I knew Ant-Man wasn't going to be in the movie. You know? Yeah. I, I agree with you there. It's something, it would bother me if they didn't do it well. 
I think I think they did it well. Some would disagree, but I think they did it well. I think they did it well enough. Yeah. And just lastly, to cover, you know, why I just love the certain scenes of this movie. Um, two scenes I just want to throw out there. The one where all the Avengers are gathered around the drill while the planet's floating up. Yeah. And fighting off fighting off the you know, all the Ultrons. I love that scene. And lastly, I would say the Hulkbuster scene where the Hulk fights Iron Man. That is one of my favorite scenes in all of the MCU. Just, I love that it's, scene. It's awesome. Yeah, that's a great scene. It's Hulk versus Hulkbuster. It's uh, and that's the first time you see the Hulkbuster. Yeah. And it's exciting. It is. Yeah. And the dialogue in that and Cap. You it's know, really Cap's funny. Language. At times. <laughs> yeah. At the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will say the dialogue in the movie is really entertaining. It allows the team to develop and show how strong they are, but it also sets up civil war at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could argue that the movie had a lot to do, but also I think, I think it did what it needed to do. I think it's underrated. Agreed. I, I, will, I, I like it. I don't quite like it as much as you do. But anyway, so uh, my number... Wait, th- real quick. Yeah. One, one question about that movie, just because okay. I... I honestly, I don't even know if I, I don't think I know what your opinion on this is. Okay, Bruce Banner and Black Widow. Oh yeah. How do you feel about that? Now, I don't like it because that's the only movie where it's basically relevant, other than one um, exchange of words in Infinity War. Yeah, and that's it. And maybe like a little. Maybe something that they kind of looked at each other to acknowledge a little bit of something in Endgame when she sees Professor mm-hmm. Hulk. Other than that, but I blame that more on the you know on what follows. I'm just I'm more I'm more focused on the actual movie because it kind of just comes out of nowhere. I didn't dislike it then, if that's what you're asking. Okay, I didn't dislike it. I wasn't totally on board, but if they had continued it in a way that made sense, then I would have liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it wasn't entirely comic book accurate. Yeah, not at all. But we don't have Betty yeah. Ross. So. But now it's irrelevant in a way. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of wish it didn't happen anymore. I can agree. I definitely agree with you, but I loved it in that movie. Because if That's we're just fair. talking about the movie specifically, during this movie, watching that, seeing that interaction and seeing their relationship, they're perfect for each other, mm-hmm. oddly enough. Like, they're they're both the most broken it seems like of the avengers yeah so yeah that was what was interesting they paired mm-hmm. the two broken characters mm-hmm. together and yeah that made for an interesting interaction all yeah. right all right so my number three is the avengers so it was a little lower for you but um <laughs> a lot i i love this movie it was the first time we've ever seen this ensemble of superheroes together we had never seen a team of superheroes before in a movie other than like the original fantastic four movies oh well there's x-men i was about to say x-men yeah i'm an idiot anyway um it was the first time we've ever seen the avengers together is what i should have said they're sharing a screen for the first time and every interaction of the characters meeting each other it's got my favorite line ever when Iron Man and Thor meet each other for the first time and Iron Man says, Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? How's it going? My favorite line in the entire MCU. Line. I thought that was hilarious. But, um, yeah, like I was saying, I like the interactions with all the heroes and how they meet each other. I think the action in the movie is fantastic. I think um, it really set up the MCU in a way where it allows it to be where it is now. 
if that makes sense. I would definitely agree. I mean, they tie in the whole the aliens coming to Earth um, in Avengers all the way into Infinity War and Endgame when the, it was Thanos responsible for all of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it ties everything together very well. I do love that movie. I mean, it's not in my top ten. Just, I mean, it just couldn't make it. It was close, but I just it just couldn't make it. Um, oh, yeah, it was in your honorable mentions. Yeah, it was my top. It was Are you my, trying to make me mad again, dude? <laughs> Jeez. I I love the movie. I really do, but it's just... And you still don't remember seeing it in the theaters when we saw it when we were like 12. I was a, I was like an infant. I don't remember that. <laughs> you, weren't, you were a year older than me. You were 13. I was 12. Yeah, infant. Yeah. Anyway, um, now I think this movie is totally overshadowed by everything else, by every other big ensemble movie we get. You know, like Infinity War and Endgame and The Guardians of the Galaxy... All of those movies are, uh, they, they completely overshadow the Avengers now. And a lot of people, I think, kind of almost forget that this movie happened. But it's really important to this franchise that we have, you know? Yeah, I mean, as far as for the franchise, it's very important. Like you, like you say, it's very, mm-hmm. very important. It is the foundation of the Avengers franchise. Yeah. And I appreciate it. But... I don't, it's not my favorite. It's, it's not my favorite That's Avengers fair. movie. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to our top two. What is your number two? Joker. Wow. Yeah, it really made high. number two. It was, that movie, I've seen it. I, so saw I know it you talked about theaters. that. It blew me that away. That could potentially be your number one. It was, it was close, really close, but it was yeah. very close. I thought about making it my number one, but again, his favorites, couldn't mm-hmm. quite get it there, but... If uh, like if we were doing quality of the movie, Joker would be number one, hands down. Yeah, hands down. It's an amazing movie. So why is it so high on your list? Like, what appealed to you about it so much? Well, I've touched on that. If uh, I touched on that a little bit earlier when you had had the Joker in your list. Yeah. Um, like I said, the Joker is an awesome comic book Joker. Um, it is, and like you said, it touches on the his mental instability. And it talks about it covers that very well. It shows that mm-hmm. uh, Joaquin Phoenix um, portrays a a man going insane, losing his mind very well. And the way the plot just develops, the way he develops and just moves forward with his relationship with uh, what's her face down the hall, um, his relationship with his mom, his mental relationship with with his dad that turns out not to be his dad. Yeah, well, um, also the relationship with what's-her-face down the hall is yeah. also a mental relationship as mm-hmm. well, it turned out. Yeah. So, which is interesting that a lot of his relationships... I, I, kinda, I just kind of saw that one coming, but I think it was an excellent way to show yeah. all that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that a lot of the relationships that he has aren't entirely real, mm-hmm. you know, and it really um, strengthens his character, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I like, I love how they gave him the, um, the laughing disability or whatever, where yeah. he, where he, when he gets uncomfortable or something, he just starts to laugh. And yeah, I thought that was an interesting it, touch it, to his it character. Was awesome for his character. Yeah. It, and he, he played the character. Joaquin Phoenix, I think he deserves an Oscar for that performance. I mean, 
I think he should amazing. at least be nominated, but yeah. He should definitely be nominated. For sure. It wouldn't surprise me if he won't be, though, but yeah. yeah. I, I love Joaquin Phoenix in that performance. Yeah. So my number two is Avengers Infinity War, and uh, was my number one until last night, and then I rewatched it. So I rewatched Logan and Infinity War on the first day of 2020. It's a great way to start 2020. Anyway, Infinity War is a movie that I loved when we first saw it in the theaters, and I still do to this day. I love it just as much. Um, I like this movie a lot because it really is Thanos' movie, mm-hmm. and I would say he is the strongest villain in the whole franchise, for sure. Even though we did talk about Baron Zemo succeeding, he's still not the strongest villain, in my opinion. Okay. And he wins at the end. And I was very surprised that Marvel decided to have an ending that was this devastating. Although we did know it was going to be undone somehow, the question was, how are they going to do this? That Mm -hmm. was the biggest question left, and I was shocked that they did something like that, you know? And I really like the interactions between the characters that haven't met before, like especially Iron Man and Doctor Strange and uh, Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Guardians of the Galaxy, when they come across Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Iron Man. Yeah. All the interactions are fantastic, and I think this movie probably has some of the best banter between a lot of the different characters. Definitely. Um, but yeah, the interactions are great. I think the ending was genius, especially how they took out the music, and it made me feel like I was there with these heroes losing everybody. The fact that they cut the music in that scene, that just that choice... That the director's choice to do that was perfect. I, I, was, I, could, I wouldn't have done it any different. It was amazing. Yeah. At that point in time, I wasn't quite studying movies as much as I do now. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that, and I thought that was interesting. I was like, wow, they actually chose to take music out here. And that kind of, ever since then, I've been paying attention to things a lot more like that. Yeah. And that's why I've, I just keep going further and further into studying movies and analyzing them. And that mm-hmm. was something that, I really liked about Avengers Infinity Wars, how they took the music out of that last couple minutes when everybody's feathering away, yeah. I guess you could say. All right, well, bouncing off of that, let's move. Since since Avengers Infinity Wars, your number two, mm-hmm. it's my number one. So we can keep going with that okay. one. All right, so like you said, with Avengers Infinity War, you said that with, the, with this movie ends, you know it's going to be fixed somehow but the way the movie ends you have no idea how it's going to be fixed yeah that's why that's part of the reason why i have this movie as number one and i have endgame so low yeah i don't like how they i don't like how they fixed it so well i personally i i it it bothered me well you're in a minority there buddy i know i know (laughs) it seemed even though it wasn't easy it seemed too easy well i mean what did you expect I don't. I don't know. Something more difficult, something, okay. or to not succeed. Yeah, I would have been fine with that. I mean, well, you knew they of. were they were gonna succeed. They had to succeed. Yes, but not with bringing everyone back. I would have loved. I would have been content if they brought only like. Well, they didn't some bring everybody back. back. I mean, they brought back everybody that feathered away. Everybody, but like two people. I mean, Vision didn't come back. Loki didn't come back. Um, Heimdall didn't come back. The people that actually died, Gamora. Black Widow. Technically, Gamora. Well, Black Widow died in Endgame, but yeah. I'm talking about people that died in Infinity War. They all, the people that died pre-snap, mm-hmm. 
aren't back. So there's a lot of loss in that movie. I mean, there's a ton of loss in Infinity War. But yeah. the loss before Thanos snapped its fingers um, wasn't undone, necessarily. Yeah. Until you involve time travel with a couple characters. But... Um, I just kind of felt like with for the whole time travel stuff, I just kind of felt like I was rewatching a bunch of the mo- older movies. That was the point. I know, and it was fan service, and it but it was. So, are you not a fan of fan service? <laughs> I'm not not I'm not not a fan of fan service. Okay, it's the way this fan service is taking you back through movies that I like. It's not like fan service should be things we want to see. Yeah, not things we've already seen. That's what my problem is. That's that's where my problem lies. Okay. Um, it it was fan service, but not the fan service I like. So I want to see like with Hulkbuster fighting the Hulk. That's fan service. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Like that's an amazing scene. But we're going back to Avengers and rewatching some of the same scenes just with a little bit of our modern heroes just sneaking around in the background. It just it it was. I odd. think it's more to that though. Like that's what you're seeing on the surface level. But the meaning behind it is seeing the characters overcome their obstacles from what had happened prior. Yeah. And it, I think it strengthens their characters in a way and uh, develops them as a team. Yeah. I think that's kind of the point of it. Not, and yes, there is fan service, but I think there's a surface level explanation, but more of a deeper rooted meaning. Yeah, but I mean, that movie, that part of the movie might as well have been called Avengers Days of Future Past. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess so. But so were you completely taken out of the second act then? Not completely. There were certain there were a few things that I liked about it um, with Endgame. I mean, I know we're not we're on Endgame now, but I guess you can go ahead and say your number one game yeah. is my number that, one. We're just going to be back and forth. <laughs> Comparing uh, Infinity War and Endgame now for the end of this podcast. Yeah, but I guess that works. I'm perfectly okay with that. All right. So with Endgame, thank you for making rules on my podcast. You are welcome. <laughs> it's my podcast now. Nope. <laughs> That's why it's called McNeil and Friends, not Trevor and Friends. But I am friend. Yes. Correct. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not after this. <laughs> anyway. All right. So with the second act, there were a lot that I liked about it. I liked certain scenes like when um Loki got away for example I thought that was pretty cool yeah kind of um, set up his TV show that's coming out exactly yeah. um I liked how we saw Thor and Rocket again you know like cuz they teamed up in Infinity War they teamed up again in Endgame mm-hmm. I liked that I love that team up um I like them together but what I didn't like is Fat Thor that's my problem with Avengers Endgame. It to me, it's a really big problem. I don't dislike having Thor being defeated and depressed and not knowing what to do with his life, but the fact that they took it to an even more comedic route than Ragnarok was a problem for Endgame. I, mean, because I think they just want to sell more, like like they can sell regular size Thor and Fat Thor now with merchandise. I mean, yeah. Well, I think what the problem is that. Every time he's on screen, except in the battle at the end, the tone of the movie switches. Like, especially when they're explaining where all of the Infinity Stones are right before the second act. Like, basically, I think that's probably the bookend of the end of the first act. Mm-hmm. Um, and it switches the tones when he's explaining where the uh, reality stone is, the ether. Mm-hmm. And it goes from uh, serious exposition to 
the Thor Balski. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Big Lebowski, yeah, with Thor. Yeah, starring, I've heard I've yeah. heard so many people making the that Big comparison. Big Lebowski starring Thor, but yeah, it that's exactly what I was saying earlier when we were talking when I when I listed Endgame, you know, on my list, the tone is just all over the place. It bounces hard. I would um, somewhat agree there with the tone. I think the tone shifts with Thor, but fortunately, with Thor's character the way he is now, it's not as present as he was in Infinity War, I would say. But the tone of the movie, I think, works really well because you see what the events of Infinity War have done to not just the world, but the universe, you know? And I think that makes for a really strong story, especially when you have to reunite the team, to get the band back together, you know? And the dialogue and the interactions between all of them are very interesting. Because some of them haven't even seen each other in a long time, like Captain America and Iron Man. They didn't even see each other in Infinity War. Mm -hmm. So seeing the characters come back together and um, undoing the massive catastrophic event that happened, I think is a really strong story. I will say this, though. When we first saw it, I still liked Infinity War better. But that's because we had a really bad experience. Bad Our day. theater was out of power on the premiere day of Avengers Endgame. Yep. L yeah, there was a power How outage. does that happen? That is the biggest day of our lives. And the theater is out of power. That might be part of why it's so low That's on my exactly list. That's exactly why... I did not like it as much as I should have when we first saw it. I mean, I still enjoyed it. I still have a lot of reasons why I didn't like it, but I was in a pretty sour mood, and I was way more likely to see problems with that movie after, like, at that point, because I was exactly I was beyond irritated by that. Well, there were just because of that theater is out of power. So many other problems happened. There were like seven hundred people in that in the lobby trying to get their you tickets couldn't back. move in the lobby. I mean, there were so many things that happened that made the experience negative. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I've seen this movie probably, I think, I, yeah, actually, I've seen it five times now. I've only seen it three. So I saw it three times in the theaters. And oh, the, wow. the third time was in IMAX, and I saw it a week later, and that made me fall in love with the movie much more than I did the first time. Because I still thoroughly enjoyed it. I just couldn't quite get there as much as I did when I first saw it in Infinity War. Because it was almost like that experience was perfect. And this, everything that went wrong, went wrong when we saw Endgame. But I've seen it twice on DVD. And the second time, which was over the Thanksgiving holiday, I watched it and realized how great of a movie it was. And saw that... Um, you see the tragedy, you see the interactions of the characters, and because of all the interactions with the characters, it allowed them to feel human, even though they have all these huge abilities and immense power that mm -hmm. some of them have. And I don't know, I just thought it was a really strong story. And also, the final battle is my favorite battle. I, I love the final battle, them. I do. But like the whole movie, I will say there were just some problems. The movie itself is amazing, but it's got little problems just scattered around, and that's, where I, that's why I have There are some plot problems. conveniences. Yeah. And but that's... I hated how... how they all, that's how they all work out. I hated how they had to make the... like. The villain in Avengers Infinity War was bad. So with this final movie, with Endgame, they had to make it worse. But it's the same villain. So how are they going to make the same villain worse? 
Well, instead of wiping out Half-Life, he's just going to wipe out all of it. I thought that was kind of a conve- it was easy it was lazy writing in my opinion. He was like, "Well, you guys showed me that half of life doesn't work, so I might as well just wipe all of it out and start over." And it yeah. just to me, the movie was not like Infinity War, like I said, was Thanos's movie. This one, not so much. It was more mm-hmm. of the Avengers movie. It was it like was. the first time we see the core Avengers at their strongest again since Avengers. You know, and I think that was the most interesting thing about it. But like I said, the final battle at the end is incredible. There are so yeah. many fan service moments and I think are done very well. Yeah, and another problem I have with that final battle scene was Captain Marvel shows up and like she's obviously she's so powerful. I mean, they, they turn the guns from aiming at everyone on the ground to just the one person up in the sky. Yeah. And she shows up and kicks some butt and then just kind of Where'd she go? And then, like, she just stops helping. Yeah, I mean, I, I will admit, she is a little bit overpowered. And she's, she's we don't entirely know what her power is from because Captain Marvel didn't explore that super well. Like, her movie didn't yeah. explore that very well. But um, I see what you're saying. But I think, overall, the final battle has some really great moments. Like, my favorite moment in the entire franchise is when Captain America picks up Thor's hammer mm. and uses it. And it's just freaking awesome. All these other scenes that happen, like when the portals open, everybody comes back. Even when Captain America is just standing there, this isn't exactly fan service, but when he's standing there and everybody's down but him and he's got half his shield and he straps it back onto his arm and he stands there and he's going to fight Thanos' entire army. He knows that he would lose mm-hmm. because there's no way one guy, even if he's a super soldier, can fight that off. Well, I mean, that was a flashback to Captain America, the first Avenger, yeah. where he's you know he keeps getting up. Yeah, exactly. But what I'm saying is, like, it just really shows who he is as a human, mm-hmm. not just Captain America. Yeah. And there was so much depth in that one moment, you know? And I, I really loved that. Aside from that, I mean, everything about this final battle, I think, is just really well done. And I think the end with Iron Man dying serves as a really satisfying conclusion mm-hmm. to the entire Infinity Saga. I would agree with you there. I would say that from Iron Man dying and then on, the movie was... Perfect. Uh, th- they couldn't have been done better. Even but if the, there are some conveniences with how Captain America came back, like, I don't even care. Yeah. I, that, one doesn't, that one doesn't bother me too much. Like I'm fine with it. I mean, the fact that Captain America was just sitting on that bench, I thought that was super weird and uh, kind of obnoxious, but I, just, I can look past that. What, with the final battle... I would say the cinematography and the editing and all that is incredible. Yeah. I mean, all of that, the visual effects, everything, inc- just absolutely amazing. The writing was lazy. For the final battle scene, I would say the writing was lazy. Just okay. with a lot of the, 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 the conveniences, the things that Thanos said, the things that Thanos did and the way our heroes would get into trouble and then find a way out of it and it was just it seemed it seemed to be a lot of lazy writing just like to you don't get like from point movie. A to point B. I I like the <laughs> mo- I like the movie. I just there it's it's my fifth favorite in the MCU. Okay. So But you have some major problems with it, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I have I have a okay. lot of major problems with it, but the movie it's very entertaining. I yeah. really like it. It's just 
overall, it's great. It just has a lot of little problems throughout. I think it's when you have a movie. I think I said this earlier. When you have a movie this grand in scale, you can't expect everything to be done perfectly. You well, know? Infinity War, in my opinion, was done pretty perfectly. Overall, I would say so. I'd say both of them are like they're almost interchangeable for me for this number one spot. But in game, with everything it had to do and how they had to end this entire saga, I just thought I thought it was done really well. You know, other than like I said, I had one little problem with it, Fat Thor. I think yeah. the character could could have been handled a little better. But overall, I think I think this movie is incredible in my opinion. Some, you know, there I'm sure there are some people that don't like it, but um you know, that's the fun in all this. We have conversations, we talk about our opinions. Mm-hmm. And some people disagree with some things we'll say. Like we've disagreed. Yeah. You know, but we've kept it civil. So I think that's good. Civil war. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think I mean, and I think that's the that's the good in this is that um we're able to have these conversations about which movies are our favorite, which ones are our least favorite. And there are some that didn't make it. Neither one of us talked about Deadpool. Neither one of us talked about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And these are movies that people would have really high on their lists. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just may not have hit me as hard as they did some other people. And that's totally okay. So if you want to give any type of feedback, you could send me your list through my Instagram, which is underscore McNeil, M-C-N-E-I-L-L, followed by two more underscores. You can find me on Instagram. You can send me a message and send me your list. We can have a conversation. And also, if you want to be featured on my podcast at any time, feel free to send me a message through Instagram as well. I'm willing to have anybody on the show I wants to talk about movies and keep things civil. But, yeah, so Trevor, where can people find you? Can people find you on social media? Um, I don't really use social media very much. Uh, I can give you my Instagram that I haven't touched in like a year and a half. But, okay. Um, so my Instagram is Trevor T R E V O R dot Vaughn V A U G H A N. Awesome. So if you've enjoyed hearing Trevor and I talk about our top ten favorite comic book movies of the decade, stick around for next week because Trevor is going to be back to talk about 1917. We're going to be talking about that on January 10th. It's a movie we have been trying to get to for quite a while since it finally is just getting its wide release next week. Also, we're going to be talking about our top 25 movies of the decade shortly after that. And we won't be putting any comic book movies in that one because that would be redundant considering what we did today. But I would like to thank Trevor for having him on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, man. Thanks for letting me on here. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. Have a great time. Yeah, no problem. If you have made it to the end, congratulations. You have heard all of our controversial opinions and some of our opinions that may not have surprised you. And you can continue to hear our opinions by joining us next week for 1917, followed by top 25 movies of the decade for our podcast after that. And once again, thank you for listening.